the bell has rung. Welcome to another edition of the In Ring Reality Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Josh Rosowskis, here today to talk to you about last night's edition of WWE Monday Night Raw. So, we are broadcasting, of course, live on the In Ring Reality YouTube page and our in Ring Reality Facebook page as well, but I want to also say hello to those of you who prefer the audio-only podcast experience. I do appreciate each and every one of you. So let us get into this, what was a very eventful Money Night Raw, shall we? Show kicked off with the KO Show, which featured the three challengers, potential challengers, I should say, for Raw Women's Champion Asuka as Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax, and Natalia appeared on the KO show. It was a good promo from all three of them. Asuka came out, got involved, chanted for Becky. KO put over Becky's The Mom shirt along with The Ma, of course, which is also available. So that was awesome to see and hear from KO. And then the three, or excuse me, the four women, because Oscar was out there, brawled a little bit. Oscar in particularly brawled with Nia Jax out into the crowd because, yes, folks, there was a smattering of crowd for this show as this was the debut of NXT talent in the crowd behind Plexiglass, which was behind the barricade and everyone properly social distanced. So just that little smattering of crowd noise on a WWE show made a world of difference indeed. So that was segment number one on the program. Segment number two was the United States Championship on the line. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a new United States Champion as Apollo Crews defeated Andrade. This was a very good match, and I was really surprised to see Apollo come out on top here. This is something that really makes my heart very, very truly happy indeed. He has been in a need to be pushed for many, many, many years. And WWE just would not do anything with him. They called him up from NXT too soon because back in the day, it was truly called up as NXT was more of a developmental than a third brand. They call, So they called him up too soon and they just didn't do anything with him. A bunch of stop-start pushes. So I'm very happy to see Andrade, or sorry, to see Apollo Crews defeat Andrade is what I was trying to say to become your new United States champion. The only thing that worries me here was that a lot of this match took place in an ad break. If you're in the States and watched on USA, a lot of this match took place during a commercial ad break. And also during the match, they did a weird thing where they cut backstage to Angel Garza having a promo with Kayla Braxton comparing a good match to 
and way of making love to a woman, a good, effective way of doing so. So I looked at this and I wondered, was this perhaps WWE trying to cover up an edit that they had to make during the broadcast? Because remember, folks, these shows are now pre-taped because of the pandemic. They taped all of this week's shows yesterday, or excuse, yeah, early yesterday before Raw aired, and then they tape all of next week's shows today. So, with this being so out of place, I do wonder if that was the case. But regardless of the reasoning for the weird promo, it's very worrisome to worrisome to me because of the simple fact that it makes it look like they care about Apollo enough to push him, but they don't care enough about the U.S. title to give it really the amount of time that it deserves. So hopefully that is something that will change for Apollo down the road for sure, because he definitely deserves a good run with the U.S. title. Some people were upset about Andrade losing, myself included somewhat, because I'm a huge Andrade fan. But I think these two will probably just feud for a couple months. Andrade may take the U.S. title back. Or in a perfect world, I would love, love, love to see Andrade move up and be one of the next challengers for Drew McIntyre while this time actually having the WWE title on the line, is the two have had great interaction in the past. On Raw, of course, they had that tremendous NXT title match where Andrade actually defeated Drew to become NXT champion at that point in time. So it is definitely something I would love to see go down. Whether or not it does, we'll have to wait and see. Next up, we had the Iconics confronting the women's tag team champions, the Bliss, Cross, Applesauce, Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Cross. Iconics explain that they are not breaking up here, despite the backstage antics of last week and one of them slapping the other. I believe it was Peyton Royce who slap Billy Kay, or maybe it was Billy Kay who slapped Peyton Royce. I do apologize because it was a bad stake segment. I don't quite remember it, but they say that it was just a lapse in judgment. They were just emotional. They have been the best of friends forever and tied together forever. They're not going anywhere. And they called themselves the true women's tag team champions, claiming that they never lost those titles. Now, I have done everything prior to coming on the air for all of you to try and confirm this fact. But the only thing that I found about when the Iconics lost the women's tag team championships was that it was a fatal four-way match. And I cannot remember that long back because, remember, the Iconics have been off of television before a few weeks ago for quite a large amount of time. So... I just could not confirm as to whether or not this is a fact or this is WWE rewriting history to support their own narrative. But nonetheless, I think it works for their heel tactics. They didn't have the, of course, current and true 
women's tag team champions. Bliss Cross Applesauce come out to confront them. And instead of Alexa Bliss cutting the promo, we get a fiery promo from Nikki Cross here, where Cross cut what, in my opinion, is in fact her best promo yet on not just the main roster, but maybe even NXT, talking about how she was lost when she came in here. She didn't have a direction. She was all over the place. She was crazy, bouncing off the walls. And Alexa Bliss taught her what it meant to be a true friend. And Alexa Bliss actually, truly centered her and taught her what it means to be successful in the business. So I really, really enjoyed this. This was probably one of my favorite things of the night. So great mic work there by Nikki Cross. And before the Iconics can attack, the women's tag team champions attack the Iconics. So they did keep this plate spinning for a continued feud, but they made the women's tag team champions be the ones to look strong here, which I'm always in favor of the faces not having to wait to be attacked before they take action. Next up, we saw Drew McIntyre on the MVP lounge, and MVP calls back to the time when he offered his managerial services to the WWE champion, only for the WWE champion to subsequently turn them down, say he doesn't need them, say now you're going to pay for it because I found someone who does appreciate the need for my services and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is going to become WWE champion finally after being in the business for 15 years. Drew McIntyre then delivers a Claymore to MVP, and that is how that segment goes down. There's more to come later. So for the segment by itself, I thought it was effective because of what comes later on. Next up, it was Angel Garza as he defeated Kevin Owens in a match. And I'm not a big fan of this either. I think that Owens deserves a much higher place on the card. But you look at kind of this pandemic landscape that we're in in WWE, and is there really anybody else for Owens to face right now? Unfortunately, I think the answer to that question is no. I just don't really see anybody else out there that jumps out at me as he should be facing Kevin Owens instead. And the way they did this by having Angel Garza come out and attack the knee and leg of Kevin Owens to where Kevin Owens had to Cell being on one leg the entire match actually prevents KO from looking too weak and probably sets up a rematch between the two at Backlash. So I'm all for it because it helps Angel Garza and keeps that plate spinning for KO. And maybe, as I said, he'll get in the United States title picture as I predicted a couple of episodes ago, now with Apollo Crews and possibly Andrade, or maybe all four of them just end up facing off for that U.S. title. That would be really, really interesting, actually, because then if something weird happens or Angel Garza would become your new 
United States champion. What does that do for the relationship of Selena Vegas clients? So there's a bunch of directions they could go in. And I feel like this is a four-way plate now spinning surrounding the U.S. championship title. And it's good to see both mid-card titles being treated well, as, of course, we're seeing the Intercontinental Championship interim tournament, or sorry, Intercontinental Championship tournament to crown a new champion. I said interim tournament there for a minute, or started to say, because I'm used to talking about the Cruiserweight title tournament, but no, WWE doesn't have any knowledge of when Sami Zayn is going to be comfortable returning, so this was just a plain stripping of the title from Sammy because he's not able to defend it. So there's nothing interim about that one. But the point I was trying to make, of course, was that both make-card titles are being treated well for a change, which is a nice thing to see. Next up, we had the next installment of Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better comedy series between the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. The Street Profits end up defeating the Viking Raiders in a game of golf after they get kicked off a traditional golf course and end up on a putt-putt mini golf course. I like this. I thought it was fine. Viking Raiders thought they won because they had the higher score and Street Profits had the much lower score. And the only real issue I had was kind of the, to borrow another word that a friend of mine uses a lot because it is true. And when it comes to the world of professional wrestling or the world of film and television, any form of entertainment, you have to have verisimilitude. You have to have believability in what you're watching. And to have the Viking Raiders and Street Profits hit the ball that far when they have no idea what they're doing was very much lack of their similitude. But because it was a comedy segment, I let it go. I do think, however, that perhaps these segments have run their course because I don't really know where it's building to. I mean, how is this building a feud, which is supposed to be the point of this whole thing, I thought. But now I kind of just want to see the Viking Raiders and a Street Profits faction. I kind of want to just see that now because they're just so funny together and they work well, together, maybe Viking Raiders can go to SmackDown, take those tag team belts, and the four of them as a faction can just run roughshod over the tag division for a while. I think that would be a much better outcome. But regardless of what WWE is trying to do here, I don't quite know what it is that they are doing because it just doesn't seem to be leading anywhere. So we'll have to wait and see what happens next with these four. Next up, it was the newest disciple, Austin Deary, teaming up with his disciple teammate, Murphy, accompanied, of course, by the Bunny Knight Messiah, Seth Rollins, as they took on the team of Aleister Black and Umberto Carrillo. And at the end of the match, Seth Rollins threatens to take out the eye of Umberto Carrillo, just like he did 
for Rey Mysterio. And thanks, Rey Mysterio, prior to this, for making the sacrifice he made to allow them to move forward and to continue blessing the WWE and the WWE universe with their much-needed mission. So I liked everything about this because it just continues Seth's great character work. And next week, we have a segment announced where Rey Mysterio is supposed to retire. Now, naturally, as a wrestling fan, I reacted to this the same way you would be reacting to it if you only listen to podcasts like mine to know what's going on with the programming and aren't watching the programming right now, either due to you're just not able to see the shows or you're not feeling the shows without a crowd. But nonetheless, I really am enjoying what Seth Rollins is doing. But as I was saying, my knee-jerk reaction as a wrestling fan was to be like, oh my God, Rey Mysterio is going to be retiring. But the more and more that came out, specifically the fact that Seth is going to be hosting this segment himself next week, leads me to believe that we are not, in fact, getting a Rey Mysterio retirement, but rather simply a kayfabe segment to keep the plate spinning between those two. We'll have to wait and see what actually does happen. And of course, if Rey Mysterio does retire, it's going to be huge, huge news. But I don't look for it to be happening. But we'll have to wait and see what actually does go down. Because remember, there are reports out there that Mysterio has not re-signed with the WWE. And perhaps this is WWE, as the old saying goes, Hedging their bets to where they're like, okay, if Ray doesn't resign, we have effectively taken him off of TV. But if he does resign, we have a built in storyline there for him to enter right back into. So I have to wait and see what happens, of course. In the women's number one contendership three way, this surprisingly was the match of the night. As, of course, I mentioned earlier, it was Natalia taking on NXT champion Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax. Nia Jax does win here, but through several points, it looked like NXT champion Charlotte Flair may be to the disdain of a lot of people would have had the potential to become Charlotte Two Belts as she hit Natty with the figure eight only for Nia Jax to just barely break it up at one point. So Charlotte Flair did look like she was going to walk away with this thing. So to WWE's credit, even though it was pretty obvious what this feud was going to be, and that was Nia Jax versus Asuka at Backlash, they at least did enough here to create a mystery. And for those that have a problem with Charlotte Flair working so much, I personally don't because... Charlotte Flair is my second favorite women's wrestler of all time behind the man, the champ, the GOAT, the first, Becky Lynch. But I can see that point of view, but my counteracting to that would simply be, if you are feeling that way, keep in mind that we are in pandemic times and they just don't have as deep a roster who are comfortable working right now. So... 
there may not be as many women to work against one another. So this may be why Charlotte Flair continues to be involved as much as she is at the moment. Next up, we had what was the main event of the evening. As I alluded to earlier, there was more to come with Bobby Lashley and MVP as after being claymored, MVP points out to Lana and to the audience subsequently that that claymore happened not to send a message to me, but to send one directly to Bobby Lashley. I'm a big fan of this because of the fact that it keeps that smartness of MVP going on to where he actually knows the game and he knows how things work and he's very, very smart. And when Kayla says to him, why in the world would you want a match? He says, that's why when he's talking about Bobby Lashley standing in his presence. So everything did work here. It was a screwy ending because you don't want your tag team champions losing. And by the way, this match came about, I forgot to mention, because MVP proceeded to call the Street Profits clowns for them wasting time golfing with the Viking Raiders. So we did get a screwy ending because you don't want your tag champions losing and you want Bobby Lashley to look strong. Maybe you should have had just Bobby Lashley come out on top and win. I don't know for sure what the right course of action would have been. But nonetheless, I think for what it was, it was very, very well done. Black Adam says, yeah, the lost, um, in, uh, they lost them in August of last year in a fatal four-way elimination match. So what he's referring to was the Iconics and how they lost the women's tag team titles. So I do appreciate that confirmation, Black Adam. I Appreciate that very much. As always, you can get in touch with the show by following us at In Ring Reality everywhere, subscribing to us on YouTube, emailing us at inringreality at gmail.com. And as I always like to say, life is only as good as what you choose to make it to be. So make the choice to go out and do something great today.